This episode of the Series A podcast is brought to you by the Blockchain Founders Fund. The Blockchain Founders Fund is a global entrepreneurship and investment fund that focuses on adding value to emerging technology and blockchain projects with real-world applications. The Blockchain Founders Fund supports seasoned and first-time entrepreneurs across the key business function with a hands-on intensive go-to-market venture program. Our second sponsor is SGI Partners based in New York City. SGI Partners is a private investment firm that pursues compelling investment opportunities in middle market businesses. SGI has a flexible mandate to invest across the capital structure in control-oriented investments, ranging from strategic financing to buyouts, allowing us to implement innovative investment strategies that preserve invested capital and mitigate risk while driving growth and creating value. As an, inv- as an advisor to SGI partners, I help identify investment targets in my geographical area. Now on to this fantastic new episode. Today, I have the pleasure to talk with Maria Kolitsida. Maria is founder and CEO at Neonus, and uh, Neonus is a startup based in uh, Montreal, if, I, if I'm correct. Uh, Maria, right. welcome to Series A. How are you doing this morning? I'm fine. Thank you for the invitation. So uh, let's uh, start. If you can uh, let us know a little bit about your background and, um, uh, you know, what did you study and how did you end up uh, in startups? And uh, let's uh, uh, go all the way until Neonus. Yes, correct. Uh, So, um, well, um, I'm a scientist. First of all, I studied... uh, um, biology, biotechnology, neuroscience, all these kind of things around uh, uh, biology. And uh, uh, due to my background in biotechnology, almost uh, 15 years ago, uh, the, um, I found my first job as a lobbyist, as a policymaker, actually. I, uh, I escaped the lab. And uh, that gave me the first idea as a scientist pretty much to understand how I can add value to the business. Uh, however, till 2011, I was working in corporate, but some friends in um, in San Francisco that they started their own startup said to me like, oh, you know, this is the future. This is, you know, like it's so much fun. Drop corporate and come and join us. And this is pretty much the beginning of uh, the virus called startup in my system. Uh, uh, so, yes, since 2011, I'm into the startup world. Okay, so how many startups have you started in these 10 years? Uh, I've done uh, four myself, but I've been involved as a different, in different, you know, different forms, either as an investor or as an angel investor or as a, you know, like um, employee or whatever in, in plenty around, let's say, another five, six in total these years. So and... everything had to do with technology. Um, mm-hmm. In, for different applications, everything had to do, I have done pretty much more, uh, very little B2C. A couple of them were about the user volume and so on, like to understand how the user, you know, can really use your application and your, your technology. The rest of them are much more sophisticated applications and they had to do more about B2B in most cases. So that's my kind of like more my expertise. Mm-hmm. So what was the audience of these uh, startups? In which countries? Uh, I've pretty much I operate mainly in. Uh, I've been in UK for many many years, and uh, 
all of the startups uh, were like uh, in UK or in US, um, in San Francisco. Uh, the audience for the B2C was pretty much users to uh, um, use the interface of the technology, either about reading news or about, you know, like uh, easier um, UX UI. We built a system, I was part of the startup but from the beginning, so I had like a, you know, like a share part because of the, from the, I think I was the second person who joined this business at the beginning. Um, for uh, elderly population back in 2012 i think you know they were trying to uh, find better ways for elder population to use ipad and technology and so on with different interface so that's pretty much the only two b2c i've done uh, the others has to do with they have there's always a combination between science and technology so uh, also in my startups it was like a combination of services and technology around um, uh, change management and you know like uh, corporate digitalization uh, and the last ones again a little bit it's 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 more technologies like pretty much mainly driven by the technology application but it tries to solve also again like business issues business operations human driven decisions and so on so it had to do a lot with the decision making uh, process industry so now you are talking about neo news. Yes, it's a devolution. I mean, nothing comes out of the, you know, like uh, there's no parthenogenesis. So everything comes from what you've done before and where you keep seeing uh, gaps. So I've been dealing with the business processes and decision making uh, uh, methodologies for the last since 2016. So neo news uh, with the advancement of uh, AI. Uh, we try to pretty much augment the decision-making process in human-driven processes uh, by using more advanced AI that they can mimic uh, more generic tasks compared to narrow tasks. So it's not robotic uh, AI, but it's more about, uh, it's, we call it intelligence, intelligence amplification, mm -hmm. how to augment and uh, enhance the decision-making process with the right data in front of you. Um since you got involved with startups since uh, uh, 2016 have you been pitching to a lot of venture capitalists yeah plenty i lost count i used to have an excel but now it's like <laughs> it's one more that i'm talking to so um yes that's pretty much uh, 50 so, uh what are like the tough questions vcs are asking you well, the questions are tough when you don't know the answer, okay? So, or when you are not prepared for this answer. Uh, so that's my, uh, you know, like um, output from that experience. Um, the difficult questions is, uh, is to guess as much as possible the future. Okay, so to say, you know, where this is heading, what are the, you know, the opportunities, what are the, you know, like the, the, the plan to reach that goal and so on. You have to make far, you have to make far too many hypotheses for this uh, kind of discussion. Um, in the beginning, I used to, to find it very, you know, like hypothetical, like too many assumptions. But with um, the more I'm doing that, the more I realize that um, even that makes you think, you know, and organize your business better. So uh, they're not so hard at the end. They're, you know, 
sometimes you know where you have limitation in terms of like research and answers and that's fine you can say that's how much we know and that's pretty much the market knows because we keep talking to everybody and in some cases you might have the, the situation where like there is a question like you know like how do you divide your like revenue model or whatever and what do you substitute like how much you save the cost and this kind of thing so they're valid questions they're hard questions because that means that you really have to talk to a customer uh, that is willing to give you this kind of answers based even on a concept and not even a product so these are tough questions not because the vc make tough questions they are tough questions for the business so these are the, the yeah. questions pretty much um, is, is your uh, startup capital intensive yeah, I don't know any technology uh, startup that doesn't have, you know, that doesn't require uh, plenty of uh, um, tech resources to achieve the first goals, I'm afraid. I haven't come across one unless it's very simple, like they take technology that they just have better ways to, you know, like uh, consolidate them, unify them or whatever and offer a simple solution. And have you been a part of an accelerator in the past for any of those startups? I actually no. I don't. I didn't have that experience. We yes, it, we just never applied for something. We went straight to like we built something. We get we try to get as close as, as possible to the customer. Um, you, yes. you also mentioned that you are doing some angel investing. Is that for your own startups or for other startups? No, no, I, I try to keep an eye on the market and see, you know, where other different opportunities, because I'm dealing with a very specific uh, industry, the AI, and there are so many other things happening with different, you know, like technologies. So there are other opportunities as well. It's not only, you know, my case. So, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so since you are involved in AI, are you doing the programming yourself or are you the... CEO who is uh, uh, doing the strategy of all these things? Um, I'm afraid I'm a business CEO. I am not a tech CEO, so I very much dependent on, uh, on my tech team. And, um, but because of my scientific background, it helps us to design pretty much uh, better AI on the, on the conceptual level on some of the inputs we, we need and the outputs we, we require and the interpretation of the data. So I do not code. I do not code the single line. Um, so tell us some use cases of your uh, product. Uh, well, uh, because we do complex uh, cognitive uh, processes where it requires uh, critical thinking, uh, and we try to optimize a process uh, that um, involves human interaction, one of the things we have is um, we deal with the crisis services of uh, Canada, like the call centers, the hotlines for emergency, uh, for different mental distress uh, situations. And in that case, what we do from the notes and the audio and the methodology and any, any kind of like uh, information that can be put into our, into our system as data, we try to improve the processes. Uh, by improving the methodology, by seeing, you know, like uh, where the interaction uh, has uh, some some gaps that can create, um, that can lead to a bad outcome, 
which usually is like, you know, when you talk about crisis, you really try to save a life or you really try to stop something that is harmful. Uh, so we try to be as kind of like um, to identify these critical events and we try to support a lot the counselors as well because that they also need support. Most of the systems in mental health or mental distress situations, they try to predict the from the current behavior of the caller or the patient, the outcome, like this person is going to harm herself, you know, or is going to do that and this. Uh, but uh, on the other side, there's not enough support for the counselors because they are dealing with so much, uh, uh, so many stressful situations that they are also getting burned out emotionally and cognitively, or they need support because there are different use cases. So we try to support that aspect of the counselor pretty much and the whole operation internally for the call centers. So that's one use case that we try to do. So is um, yes. it like a computer that uh, intervenes? Well, they have their, no, they have their counselors and they have their systems in place, but during the phone call or during the methodology, we might have some flags or we have reports at the end, daily or monthly or whatever, depending, that we improve, you know, like we, we give suggestions to improve the methodology uh, to the, let's say the, the, the CEO of the call center mm -hmm. or even the government. Uh, so, would your system work in less stressful uh, call centers, for example, a call center of a, a big retail store? In this case, because we do granular data and low-level features, which means that we, we, we identify the, the issues during the process, we do not, um, you know, like um, give a report based on predefined metrics. The difference is like in call centers about customer service, you will have predefined metrics like the customer is, is angry, the customer is happy, satisfied, this is a script and so on. So majority of other systems, they try to identify this basic emotion of the customer. And at the same time, they try to see how, how much you follow the script, you know, what happened to the, you know, to the process of the script for the for the uh, agent. We are much better in the QA environment when you want to improve the process, when you want to find, you know, to see what's exactly why the script doesn't work, uh, you know, and uh, what happened when it doesn't work and uh, what triggered, you know, the change of plan for an agent. So you improve pretty much your scenario uh, based possibilities to have a more kind of like flexible um, uh, response mechanism. And that can lead to even redesign your processes. That's what's important. Uh, that's the difference. So we will not deal with the call centers. The call centers, it's all about volume. It's all about, you know, like low prices. Um, the turnover of the agents is really, you know, is really, is really high. So we try to be more strategic and more competitive at the design level. Okay. Uh, how did you come up with the idea to build Neonus? Uh, it's, um, it's, a, it's an effort, of, it's, it's a, it's a long-term um, design and like uh, efforts uh, from my scientific background. I'm just trying to find um, uh, better ways that we can design, uh, you know, AI by adding some scientific principles. Uh, to my view, I mean, okay, AI, it's all about programming at the end, but 
even technology, when you have to design it, you have to figure out what kind of variables and what are the principles that you design it based on. So the idea starts from like how we can mimic to a degree uh, uh, the human, uh, some of the human uh, cognitive processes and uh, design an AI based on that. So instead of having like rule-based AI, having inference AI and so on. So it's a combination of course with my tech team and my CTO and we say like, this is what we want to have. This is how we think, this is how we process information. This is how we, you know, like we weight the different variables can we mimic that by designing AI? So this is pretty much where I came from. I'm trying, the goal is to try to build um, an AI expert system that learns, of course, and it's like, um, becomes like an, uh, your own advisor at the end by learning you and by having all this information out there. So it's a, it's a hybrid. It takes your expertise and it takes the information from out there so it tries to create another resource if you want that's what what's the that's the goal and that's how the whole idea started what is the biggest challenge you are facing right now uh, would it be in terms of funding uh, finding new clients building your technology something else um all of these three they're always in the case now ai it's a very capital intensive as you said at the beginning which means that you do need i mean like even the seed round cannot be less than two millions it doesn't make sense uh, other, otherwise you just burn more chances to succeed so that's a thing that requires you know like investors that they they understand the demands of ai they understand what type of technology you build and therefore they are patient you know, like for six, 12 months to give that capital. Uh, there are not many uh, in the AI field. And that's why I think AI uh, keeps failing. And now they talk about, it's not only the market expectation, it's also the, the access to the right amount of, uh, of, of funding. That's one thing. The other thing is, um, uh, Again, the market perception about AI and you know some of the bad things like it's going to replace us or it's going to do that and this or the ethics um, also creates a very like slows down the decision making for the customer unless it's a very practical low level you know like a narrow task where everybody finds it boring. But to build better AI, you have to also push the you know like the limits around the, um, the business operations and the and AI itself. And that requires also some early adopters. It's not something that is out there mainstream. Uh, building the technology, I'll mm -hmm. give you also that, is like, um, it, it's, uh, it's hard. The big, the big companies, Microsoft, Google, and the rest, they build amazing technology. They have the resources and everything. So, finding exactly where you can add value, you know, like specific angle in specific component and create a valuable business at the end uh, is also hard, which means uh, you can overcome that, but reading a lot and having like a dedicated research team to know exactly what's happening every single day in the market in terms of like technology. So when you pitch to VCs, what is your value proposition? Uh, for specifically for Neonus, we do 
um, uh, we have two core capabilities. We do audio and uh, uh, natural language understanding uh, analytics, and therefore we offer predictive analytics and uh, pretty much uh, advanced um, 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 advanced and predictive analytics. This is pretty much the two things that we deliver uh, on human-driven processes. Mm -hmm. Uh, have you ever uh, asked a VC for an uncapped investment? Uh, no, I don't think that. <laughs> I don't think if somebody achieved that, unless I don't know, <laughs> it's uh, Elon Musk. I don't know. Uh, no, you know, in business, regardless of AI, you try to be reasonable. You try to be fair, depending on your values. Okay, so and you want to make it sure that. At the end of the day, everybody is, is a little bit is, is happy, you know, like you know, feels feels still inspired by this collaboration. So based on that, we try to prepare everything by saying, like, this is what we think, you know, like it's 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 normal out there, you know, like this is what we feel like we deserve, you know, we worth. And that's how you can make your money. So no, I haven't. <laughs> and would you say you spend more time to find funding or clients for your business? Uh, I think it comes to the point that uh, you definitely need a dedicated person in your team to do the fundraising in every single form. It's not only VCs, can be anything. Uh, so you have the time to run the business and be close to the customer. So I'm always dividing myself into these two very hard tasks. And I find it that is um, at some point... Uh, okay, at the beginning, you accept that, you know, there's a trade-off. I'll deal with that today, so I'll lose, a, you know, the chance to talk to a customer. I'll talk to customers, so for three days, I'm out of, you know, of the activity of looking for money. You you accept that, but my, my thinking now is, like, you do definitely need, uh, like, a person dedicated on this one. It's, yeah. it, it, it takes, it but, takes uh, everything. That person should be the CEO or some employee? Uh, I think it should be either you have one of your co-founders um, or, um, or even a, like um, um, one of the employees as well. The CEO always keep an eye on everything. I don't think I will, you know, like not knowing what are the investors or whatever, but scouting the investors and doing these kind of things. Um, you can definitely have a person doing that and there are many other funds it's not only the VC you know like there are corporate funds there are like uh, uh, grants in the North America way not so much in the European way and uh, the horizon and so on so it's different in, in North America you just apply for grants for your innovation and it's like making an application like kind of like going through an assessment so it's different you don't go through a competition you don't go through the first hundred that will get the money or the rest uh, or any other kind of collaborations, strategic partnership. So yes, you need somebody, I think. So that would be more like uh, filling in a college application. Uh, yes and no, it has a lot of business sense, uh, at least the way that we do the applications. It has all the numbers, it has all the, you know, the benefits and the value proposition to convince also the assessors. And it has, of course, all the, um, bibliography to support your innovation from a technical perspective. So yes and no. I mean, you know, you have to really build the 
use case that somebody will say, yes, I'm giving you this grant because I can help you uh, grow. And I assume you also approach traditional venture capitalists in Canada. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Uh, how, how are they? Um, I mean, what is the venture capital landscape in uh, uh, Montreal? Well, there are three different uh, centers and three different mindsets. And we have uh, a Quebec version, which is very close to uh, low risk and very much to European type of investment mindset. There is the Toronto Center where they have uh, bigger uh, checks to write because they have the financial sector there. But again, they are medium in risk. They don't really, you know, we will not go to something like super futuristic. And um, then you have the Vancouver market, which is uh, closer to the US mentality. Uh, so there they will see the potentials in a different way, the way that uh, the US market sees them. So that's very they, interesting. So yeah. would they invest via Zoom call? Because now meetings are harder. Uh, true. Um, I do lots of meetings like that. I haven't come across with any kind of like reluctancy we haven't met you and the rest there are some investors that they say you know i want to spend time with you and see you as a person or the team and I, i'm going to i'm coming to see you or you have to come and you know like discuss uh, but um, especially for the first calls you really don't have any issue yeah uh, so has the pandemic affected how your startup operates oh totally I guess everybody, if you're not in the e-commerce and pretty much if you're not in the market that had to fill the gaps from the lack of mobility and, and access, uh, I think you, many things changed. Uh, first of all, you had to concentrate back to focus your efforts and your, um, your team in, in one place to have at least some flexibility, to be closer, to make faster decisions. Um, you couldn't travel for the beginning so that meant that you know like if you had a team in another location that you just couldn't be with them uh, although you do the zoom but the proximity is important to me um, and then of course uh, you didn't have for pretty much for a year you unless again you are in this in this market in any other market nothing was working nothing was open right there was no cash injection from anything from no contracts from no business interaction so that's it and where do you see that going? <laughs> that depends a lot on the governments and their decisions. So there is a strong appetite that everything is like belong to the, you know, like uh, we passed the, the pandemic wave and the lockdowns. Um, the market is uh, very happy to go back and be active. Um, again, in, in North America, a lot. I don't know about Europe so much, uh, but... Um, still there are restrictions and still there are political discussions that they don't give the confidence that they're like oh, really you know like i can plan five trips in october and go and find five customers or go to this uh i, I received like for example um, uh, an invitation to have a, an extremely silly price a booth in a conference an exhibition in october but i'm like yeah can i travel even if like who will come you know why to even do that so we we skip this kind of uh, opportunities right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so Maria, as we reach the end of our conversation, I would like to ask your advice to founders that are raising for their um, startups. 
Well, it depends on the phase that they are. It's at the very, very beginning. Have they built something, you know, like have they been around, uh, like um, have they tried already and so on? So um, advice, it's, it's really difficult. It's always a case by case. You don't know uh, what's exactly the case, the context of the other person. But um, as we have discussed, um, also it's like, um, it takes a very big number of investors. Like they should pitch or, 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 or test, you know, everywhere they are, their idea. And of course, ask for, uh, for uh, you know, like other contacts from the investors or whatever, but uh, uh, like talk to anyone. And there's no such a thing as cold calling or warm introduction. If somebody is about to see the opportunity, they will see it regardless of the warm introduction. So for me, it's like talk to as many as possible. Unfortunately, it's a numbers game, unfortunately. So um, they say that venture capitalists have like a thesis where they have a sector that they invest in and also uh, the, the size uh, of the startup. Is it, uh, you know, pre-seed, seed, series A, etc. Yeah, of course. Do, do you think that's all... Uh, nonsense so uh, founders should speak to anyone or no. are they losing their time no perhaps? no definitely they're losing their time i mean it's a fund based on their thesis and their uh, states they have different metrics so if you go to series a and you're like uh, pre-seed you have zero metrics like uh, you know your uh, your customer retention or whatever so it's a very different you don't even have a sales process to say with series a you know like i'm uh, automating and replicating this process so this is my growth so definitely has to be like first time founders has to be like pre-seed or seed depending on the on the country that they are because they have different uh, names and sometimes so yes they definitely have to go for the funds that they are willing to uh, take the to uh, uh, you know, like actually, no, they're, they understand that there are no metrics, okay? And they understand that it's only like a, a plan and um, everyday work of the, of the team, that's it. Yeah. Okay, these are fine words of advice. So Maria, I would like to thank you for coming to the pod and uh, we will be watching the progress of Neonus. Thank you so much, George.